Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a podcast from PJTN that focuses the light of truth on vital issues in today's headlines that impact every American. I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore, founder and president of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, and I'm here to educate, motivate, and activate you to action. I want to arm you with the truth and the facts you'll need to fight and preserve our constitutional republic and uphold the Judeo-Christian values our nation was founded upon. Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a PJTN podcast, and I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore. If you missed the last episode of this podcast, you will find it and our previous podcast lineup on our website at pjtn.org, as well as all the other platforms that you use to access your favorite podcasts. On this week's podcast, I have invited Robert Taft back to Proclaiming Justice to update our watchmen about what is going on in Israel since the barbaric attacks on Israel were launched October 7th. I also want to remind our audience that as PJTN Watchmen, it's our biblical duty to listen and share this and all of our previous podcasts with your family and friends so that they can take action against the issues that threaten our republic and the state of Israel. So please remember to like and share. As it goes with Israel, so shall it go with America. Robert, thank you so much for joining us again on Proclaiming Justice. Thank you, Laurie. It's it's great to be with you as always. Well, this is going to be a really interesting um, interview. So I just want to encourage my audience, stay tuned and remember to share this because we are going to talk about what's going on in Israel and we're going to get it from Robert's perspective. Robert, would you give our audience just a little background on yourself and the work that you've done in the past? Well, I was... um... Uh, I've been involved in international one way or another all of my life. Um, I'm the former um, Deputy Assistant Secretary for International Operations with the U.S. Department of Commerce, and um, I've been the head of the uh, World uh, Trade Centers of Florida. Uh, I was the CEO of that for a number of years, and I've been a um, I've been um, uh, a consultant. And um, uh, to, to both the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency, to um, a number of uh, Middle East countries um, mm-hmm. in developing their business practices and that sort of thing. So I'm steeped in this st- stuff. Sometimes I, I wish I, <laughs> I wasn't as steeped as I am in, in the Middle East and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and some of these areas. Um, because a lot of it, uh, of course, comes back to the United States and how we got in, in into this mess in the first place and stuff. So, but the 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 current the current war that's going on over there is kind of a culmination of a number of things which we have allowed to ha- to happen. And I think for your audience, it it, uh, it might be good to kind of show how this whole thing is built up and why there is so much antipathy for um, the Israeli side of this and so much um, pro for the Hamas side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I was just on the phone with a group. We do a Bible study in South Africa on Sundays right before this podcast. And we were talking about the International Court of Justice and South Africa's um, uh, 
calling Israel or calling well calling Israel to task in this at the Hague. And it's really just outrageous because South Africa is a Christian nation who shares similar Judeo-Christian values that we share. And so it's kind of a it was kind of a shocker to see that they were going to lead the charge. Of course, we've seen out of Durban, um, Durban led the charge to the whole pro BDS movement. So it's I guess it's not really a surprise if you think about it um, that this is this is coming um, out of South Africa right now. But um, what is the what is the update on this war in Gaza? Because I heard a couple couple days ago somebody was saying that the war was over, and I I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, there's, there's a lot to be said here. And, um, I guess next week, whatever, we'll get into the, uh, you know, how education has gotten really behind all of this, Mm -hmm. um, because that's a very critical part of what's going on. Um, but the, the long and the short of it is, um, um, to be brutally honest, uh, the United States has been really, um, stupid <laughs> is the only word that comes to mind in in all of their international uh, uh, negotiations at, mm. at, at the current time. Um, mm. It was bad enough that we got involved in Ukraine. Um, mm. That was not something that should have happened. It was actually something that uh, that Biden and that whole crew um, kind of pushed for and kind of pushed uh, uh, Zelensky and company into into that. And now we're up to our eyeballs in it, and there's some people who still want to give money to it, etc. Um, and uh, all the all the while that that has been going on, ever since the the Afghanistan situation, uh, where we pulled out there and kind mm-hmm. of gave the whole Eurasian landmass to China and Russia, um, the Russians have talked about Ukraine, and the Chinese have talked about Taiwan, and um, so the more China can get us involved or, or stay involved in Ukraine, the better it is because it it um, it lessens our ability to do anything against the Chinese in Taiwan. Well, while that while that was going on, um, and and the uh, the war in Ukraine has been going on for a long time, um, but even back a year or so ago when China became friendly with Iran and started talking oil deals and this whole BRICS thing was getting off the ground and they wanted to get Mm -hmm. oil and um, they wanted to replace the dollar with the yuan, et cetera, et cetera. And Biden shut down our oil energy sector. The whole thing was, um, was well orchestrated and it wasn't just orchestrated by China. It was orchestrated by China and Biden. Um, Mm. And I, I think, People need to understand that that this that this whole international thing with China has been um, has been very much of a collaborative effort between the globalists in this country and the Chinese. Mm. Um, I mean, we saw we saw that so clearly um, a month or so ago in San Francisco when uh, 400 of our CEOs kind of. Um, stood up and applauded for uh, um, dictator Xi when he was over here. 
And mm -hmm. he, at that same meeting, told um, told Biden that he was going to go take over Taiwan, no matter what Biden was going to do. And Biden, of course, um, uh, kind of capitulated on that. Basically, said, "Okay, you know, one China that makes sense to us, et cetera, et cetera." Mm -hmm. And the problem with both the globalists and the Chinese, going back to COVID and even before that, is that both of them think that the future is going to be authoritarian as a government, a global mm -hmm. government. The only way it can work is if it's authoritarian and you're able to master these nations um, under a central government, under a central currency, and the only way to do that is through dictatorship. It's not through democracy. So there's hmm. this, huge, this huge push um, at that kind of macro level between China and the United States. Well, we fast forward because during the Ukraine war, um, this whole plot against Israel was forming. This is not a plot that originated in September of um, of last year. This is a plot that has, has been going on and thought about um, for well over a year. Um, it was not by accident. Um, the reason China wanted it is because if they could get the United States um, to deal militarily on two fronts, um, both the Middle East front and the Ukraine front, that that would even weaken uh, the U.S. military to the point where it really couldn't do anything in Taiwan. Mm. Um, so China has been working with Iran to to orchestrate this thing. Now, China, the one thing China and Iran do very, very well is they they engineer proxy wars. Um, rarely will will you see Iran fighting. Um, itself alone, mm -hmm. really will you see China ever in, in a battle situation, but they always have proxies. And in the case of the Middle East, they have Hezbollah and they have the Houthis and they have Hamas. And all of this is being funded by, um, 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 by Iran and China. They're both doing this. And the reason they want this and the reason they want it to continue um, is, as, we, as I said a little earlier, they want a war with the United States on two fronts. And if you look at those fronts, neither of them are in Asia. So <laughs> Taiwan would put them on three fronts, which mil militarily, with our recruitment so far behind, and our preoccupation with uh, diversity and inclusion in the military, mm -hmm. um, our military in, in terms of the world military index is rated currently as marginal at best. Oh gosh. We could only, um, we could only do an effective war in one location. And of course, China has now set it up so that we're in three locations possibly with Taiwan. And I'll talk a little bit about Taiwan a bit later. So let me ask you something real quick before we go forward. You know, when Trump was president, he was he was uniting the Middle East. And we knew that I think we all probably knew that 
Hamas and the Palestinian Authority were never going to get in lockstep with the other Arab countries like the Saudis. Where do they come in on all of this? Do they know that this is what Iran is doing? Um, are they, you know, because it it certainly appeared that we were on the verge of a whole different Middle East than what we're seeing right now. Well, we are. And the, the key to everything you just said, uh, Lori, um, is sanctions. Um, mm-hmm. The reason that Trump was so effective is that he was able to maintain the sanctions against I- Iran. With those sanctions, they weren't making any money. They were going broke. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the money to finance Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, or whatever. And Saudi Arabia, historically, um, has talked out of both sides of their mouth all the time. They, they, they put their finger up in the, in the morning and uh, see which way the wind is blowing, and then they go in that direction. So the Saudis have never, never been a reliable ally, Um, but they have always used the petrodollar. That Mm -hmm. was a deal that uh, that uh, Nixon worked with Saudi Arabia and Aramco years ago, and that's always stuck. So we've always had the petrodollar. Well, in comes um, Joe Biden. on the heels of Obama, who gave billions of dollars to uh, to Iran, mm-hmm. and Biden just recently has given sixteen billion more dollars to Iran. At the same time, um, China and Iran have gotten together on oil. So suddenly, all of those sanctions that were crippling uh, Iran um, have have been lifted, and. Um, and China is has a long-term um, purchasing agreement with Iran over oil. So Iran is getting rich on oil. They're getting rich because Biden's giving them all this money. And so suddenly they're back in the game. And Saudi Arabia, who's very um, undependable in the first place, they took one look at uh, Joe Biden, see how weak he is, see what's happening to the U.S. debt. Um, that we keep printing money and, and the like. And uh, they've come to the conclusion that uh, that they better be on the winning side. And the winning side appears to be Iran and, um, and China. Mm-hmm. So Saudi Arabia has moved in that direction. Well, what, what you've created in doing that is you have China, you have Russia, you have... Um, Iran, you have Saudi Arabia, you have most of the Middle East now all going over and selling oil under contract to China and uh, and the like. And of course, China needs all the oil it can get because it's the big manufacturing base in the world. So it needs oil and it doesn't really have much of its own. Mm. So this has been a very, very much of a, you know, you rub my back, I'll rub your back kind of a situation. Right. Um, and in the meantime, the financing will be there to keep this ongoing war in the in the Middle East going, and of course the the target of um, of the war in the Middle East is not only Israel but it's the United States as well. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what's happening over there now, um, 
you know, Israel just wants to wipe out Hamas. And if, if everybody would leave them alone, they would wipe out Hamas. Um, the problem is, is that uh, the Biden administration um, has jumped into this thing and is begging um, Israel to back off, um, which is exactly the wrong move to make. Right. Meanwhile, we've put all of our ships and, and, and military power in Iraq and the Red Sea. And to do what? To clear the shipping lanes for who? For, for the United States? For Israel? No. For the Europeans. Where are the Europeans? They're, uh, they're sitting on their hands doing, doing nothing. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and who's over in Europe and, who, and who's meeting this next week? It's uh, the Davos crowd. It's all these big, rich globalists who um, um, have a dual agenda for this year's um, meeting in Davos. This is the World Forum I'm talking about. Right, right. The, the first meeting, the first meeting um, next week of, of this World Forum is going to be what to do about the United States. They're trying, uh, they're, they're trying to destroy our nationalism they're trying to figure out how to make it global, how to get rid of Trump, how to do all of these things. And the people who are going to be on, on that particular um, um, dais that day or that, that mm -hmm. committee or, or whatever um, are all Barack Obama sycophants. Oh, gee whiz. All of them. Samantha Powers is going to be there. I mean, they even have... Um, uh, Christopher Ray of the FBI is going to be on that on that panel. I mean, it's all well orchestrated to try to figure out how to stop Trump, how to stop this nationalism stuff, and how to how to make uh, the United States um, become more and more global in in nature. And if you look at at who's running in, in, in you know um, against Trump, who's the only nationalist out there. Every other Republican candidate is backed by big global money, all of them. Mm. And, um, and of course, Obama and company, that's all global money over there. So all of this money is out there. And they're quite frankly, they're just buying off Washington, D.C. faster than they can they can think about it. Mm. Um, but what's what's happening here is that. Um, the Middle East now is is becoming something a lot different than what Trump saw as as the Abraham Accords. That mm -hmm. was getting everybody in line, and they could do that as long as Iran was at bay. Now that Iran has got the money, they've pushed uh, Saudi Arabia into their camp. So if you have Saudi Arabia and Iran working with China and trying to re replace the dollar with uh, with the yuan. Um, and, and uh, back, back by gold. If you have that situation, there's not a country in the Middle East other than Israel that's not going to go along with that. Right. Because, right. because that's where they see the future and the power and, and whatever. So what we've, what we've done from the Trump administration to the Biden administration is we've totally flipped over those Abraham Accords and we're into a situation now where everybody in the Middle East is against Israel and is against the United States. 
because because the globalists within the United States, their long-term goal is to is to get us from a nationalist agenda to a globalist agenda, which means no borders. You know, we become part of of some kind of global monstrosity. Right. And, right. And it all it all plays into China's hands because well, China China and Russia, outside of uh, Donald Trump, China and Russia are the two most nationalistic countries in the world. They want what's best for China, what's best for Russia, and screw the rest of the world. This, mm-hmm. is, this is their thinking. But they're playing along with these globalists because the globalists want this authoritarian kind of rule. And so as long as the globalists will play with them, um, they're going to play along. But what's going to happen in all of this is if they replace the dollar with a one-back thing, and and all of their allies are going to be these mineral-rich, oil-rich countries, they're not going to need the uh, the globalists from Europe and the United States anymore. And those globalists who think that they're putting themselves in a great position are deceiving themselves. Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, they're going to want to be part of the power base of a new coalition of this new world order. Mm. But China, China is going to see them as a threat. And they're going to want, they're going to, want yeah. to get rid of these guys. Yeah. And you know, um, so, you well, know, we, may- we just do one foolish thing after another. Yeah, well, it's now everything that's going on is beginning to make sense. But what I can't figure out is how did, with regards to the war in Israel, how did the Israeli and U.S. intelligence miss this? Or did they know that this, based on what you're you're telling me, I mean, was this orchestrated so that this would happen? Because, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you um, Hamas does this to Israel every couple of years. Of course, since while while um, President Trump was in office, they didn't pull these attacks like what they're doing. But as soon as Trump is gone, they it's like fair game, and they're attacking um, Israel. Is th- is this part of the you know the ongoing saga, or is this war different? And how did Israeli and U.S. intelligence miss it? Well, um, to answer your question, they didn't miss it at all. Um, one of the one of the key objectives for Israel was to get rid of Netanyahu. Um, Netanyahu is probably the closest thing to a nationalist that Israel has seen in quite a while, and um, one of their objectives is to is to change Israel to more of a globalist, progressive um, type of country, and um, um, and that's exactly what they what they attempted to do here. Um, we'll get into this next next uh, um, next session, but one of the things that you have to keep in mind here is that this war is not only um, orchestrated to get. Uh, Netanyahu and to distract the United States and to get them into another front in 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 uh, warfare. But a key thing here, and this is very important, um, is the is the uh, um, 
the degree of of support for Hamas versus Israel. This is very intentional hmm. um, because um, the the worse the the information is or the or the support is for Israel, the worse it is for the United States. Again, China is trying to get at the United States any which way it can. Actually, um, it's Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. But the biggest donor, the biggest donor um, is Gutter. And you say to yourself, what, what in the world is going on? How can Gutter be bigger than, the, than Saudi Arabia? Because Saudi Arabia has got all the money, whatever. Mm-hmm. Number one, if you go to a list, you'll never find Iran on that list. Iran is pumping that money into Gutter. Um, and Gutter is now the new headquarters for, wait for it, the mm. Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood. Oh, and the lovely. Muslim bro- the Muslim Brotherhood has been, um, as you and I have chatted in the past, has been involved in this country since 1962. Mm. Um, and, and, um, uh, and they've poured all of this money in there. At the same time, China came into our educational system in 2006, and they've poured money into 143 school districts around the country, Mm -hmm. pouring money into them. We were supposed to have this agreement. We were going to have American cultural centers in, in China, and they were supposed to have Confucius centers in the United States. Mm. The program started. They put 100 Confucius centers in colleges and universities. They killed, the Chinese killed the American um, programs mm. in China. So now what do they have? Now they have 500 Confucius centers in, in 143 um, elementary school districts in the United States. How do we? How are they? How are they listed? Are they listed as Confucius centers? Is there where? What? Yeah, there's, there's, there's absolutely no hiding this. Trump tried to kick them out, um, wasn't successful in doing so. Um, the uh, the people involved in the Confucius centers, State Department doesn't even doesn't even track their their visas. They don't even know who these people are, and yet they they let it go on. Um, the 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 other thing is that you know we're talking about these huge dollar amounts. Um, every college and university is supposed to announce um, any gift that they get from a foreign right. entity right. over two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know how much many of those have not reported seventy percent of those um, disclosures never reach the Department of Education. The Mm. Department of Education has an obligation to report that to the Department of Justice. How many do you think that they've reported? (laughs) Zero. I believe it. Zero. Oh my gosh. None. So you can just imagine um, why there's all of this pro-Hamas, anti-Israeli thing? Because I'll ask you a question, and you'll know the answer a lot better than I will. How much Jewish funding is going in to oppose the China Middle East funding? Mm-hmm. 
The answer, I, to, that, the answer to that is none, yeah. none, none. So, you know, here's, you have these students who are just ra radical as they can be because their they're professors, quite frankly, are radical as can be. And now these teachers in these schools, K through 12 are radical as, as they can be. And, and, and what's happening? I mean, Israel doesn't have a chance. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're all about Hamas and whatever. And it all goes back to this concept of the oppressor versus the oppressed. And, right. the, and what gets pounded into these people's brains and what, what uh, Saudi Arabia and these Middle East study centers have been saying since the mid-90s um, is that the United States and Israel are these white supremacists. They're, they're uh, oppressing people and the Palestines of the world and, and whatever um, are, are all the oppressed. So hmm. these kids come out, they're all for the oppressed people and they're all against the United States and Israel. And that's why you see this incredible, um, awful, um, uh, you know, system of, of you know, of uh, conflicts and, and I don't know, riots. Oh, yeah. well, I don't know what you call all this stuff. We're actually seeing also in K through 12, there are, I was just um, doing some research for an email that I'm putting out this week about these th this growing threat that's happening in K through 12 you have Jewish teachers who are hiding themselves in closets because their high school students are right outside their classroom door threatening them because the teacher happens to be Jewish and she happened to communicate her support of Israel on her Facebook page um, we had an incident in back in the fall where a Catholic high school soccer team was playing a Jewish, high school soccer team, and the Catholic high school soccer team was using expletives and um, anti-Semitic remarks to their colleagues who were Jewish. And just recently in New York at Roosevelt High School, we had a girls varsity basketball team playing a um, Jewish, a private Jewish school varsity basketball team. And they, too, were roughing up the students, the the other athletes on the Jewish side. I mean, this is and I have been saying, Robert, for over a decade, because we saw the content in the textbooks. We knew by the way the content was being presented to the kids that our kids were going to turn on us. They were going to turn on America. They were going to turn on Israel. They were going to turn on the values that turn turn on the values that this nation was founded upon. And now we are witnessing it. And people are saying, how did this happen? It's like it just happened all of a sudden. No, it didn't just happen all of a sudden. This has been ongoing. And nobody wanted to listen. Nobody thought, you know, it's it's going to be a problem. Oh, you're making a bigger deal out of this than it's than it really is. No, just look at the kids in the Palestinian controlled areas. How did these kids all sign up to carry a a, um, a a a weapon to kill Jews in 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 Israel from Gaza? These kids have been indoctrinated, and we're doing the same type of indoctrination of our children. Robert, this is so 
dangerous. Well, it's it's not only dangerous, but again, it, it, I hate to say it, but it comes back to our existing government. Um, yeah. You know, the State Department's turned a blind eye to this. Um, Department of Education has turned a blind eye. They don't really care. This poses the greatest, to me, my personally, my opinion, this whole situation poses the great, greatest threat to our national security because we are not only indoctrinating our children, but this is the future leadership of America. Well, and, and if, you, if you look at where the, uh, the money is going, um, I mentioned earlier that since 1986, uh, um, $88.5 billion has gone to which universities? The top Ivy League institutions in this country. Not, oh. not, not across the board, not to all these different universities. This is just to, what, a handful of, of maybe eight or nine schools that have gotten this kind of money from from uh, the Middle East. I mean, no wonder when uh, when uh, Representative Stefanik um, had those those uh, presidents of the universities from the Ivy League. None of them could could condemn Hamas. None of them, and mm-hmm. it cost the the jobs of two of them. It should have cost the jobs of of all four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that they do that is because they are getting paid for it, getting mm-hmm. paid for it. Can you imagine Mm-mm. if if the Jewish societies of the world had had contributed $8.5 billion to these Ivy League universities? Mm-hmm. You know, think where their heads would be, mm-hmm. okay? As soon as, as soon as that thing happened over in Israel, they would be opposed to Hamas in a heartbeat. And so you wonder you wonder why these kids are out in the street. You know they're yelling. These kids don't even know what they're talking. And yet, and yet we let them do this. We let them go into the, uh, you know, into the Congress and 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 riot there and and and, and knock off our Christmas celebrations and all these other things. Oh, that's perfectly okay to do. And the reason is is because the State Department and the U.S. government turns a blind eye to all of this. And, and they let this funding go into these schools. And, and, and the, the bad thing about it is that all of these Middle East centers um, from Saudi Arabia and whatever, they write all this material. Um, it's not reviewed by anybody. It's all, it's all pro-Middle East and anti-U.S. on this whole oppressed um, mm. kind of basis. And it's funded in part by U.S. taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, so we're, we're so destroying we're fun- ourselves we're, from within. We're, we're destroying ourselves from within, which is exactly what um, communist the, manifesto. Oh, <laughs> well, the communist manifesto, and also the the, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood thirty year plan. That's right, the Muslim Brotherhood thirty year plan, of course. And and where and here's the other the other thing about the war that's going on. Who's negotiating, you know, the release of the hostages and the war stoppages and all that? Who's negotiating that? It's negotiated in gutter. 
which is the home of the Muslim Brotherhood. This is all about the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm so glad you bring this up, Robert, because I have been asking this question from day one when we found out that that Qatar was going to be the country negotiating. I was like, are you kidding me? This is the country that funds the textbooks because we also know Pearson, because you know I've been working on exposing Pearson for over a decade, but Pearson's four largest shareholders include Qatar, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and Libya. And I mean, I when I tell people all the time, this is who's funding our, our curriculum, our textbooks, I ask them, do you think these guys got a great return on their investment? I think they did. I mean, I, I don't want to make light of it or fun of it, but this is, it's it's crazy, Robert. This couldn't be, you you can't believe the average American has a hard time believing that our government would ever do this to us. This has got to stop. And unless we rise up and take back local control, I truly believe. And and Robert, we're going to have to wrap up the show, but I'm going to have you back on in a couple weeks. So ladies and gentlemen, this is this is only the half of it. We're going to get a lot more when Robert comes back. But I have been telling people that if we don't take local control of our children's education and demand our state legislatures start representing us, rep- reminding them about the state's rights, that we are sovereign states, and to get the Federal Department of Education out of our school systems in our states. And we've got to get these these groups that are funding, like Cutter, like the Palestinians, from funding our universities. If we can just do this in the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis, please come home. <laughs> then we have a fighting chance to do this in the other states. Robert, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this conversation, how critically this is, how critically important this is to our audience because as as i mentioned we've been traveling across the country helping to equip parents to go in and flip their school boards to take back local control of our children because they are our greatest resource they are the future of our republic if we can keep it robert are there any um any other further comments you want to you want to make before we close up this interview um, anything that, you know, where people can go and find out more information about the research that you're doing? Well, let me let me just um, make one more comment about um, what this administration is doing um, against us. You know, we, we have this whole thing about education and the feds are too much involved and it's really a state mm-hmm. responsibility, all the things you were just talking about. Because of the incredible spending that we're doing, this $7 trillion budget that Biden's gotten, whatever. It turns out that up to 40%, now think about this, up to 40% of state budgets are being subsidized by the federal government. Now, what does that mean? It means that the federal government is trying to get more and more power over the states. Mm. And the more money that, again, it comes down to money, the more money that they give to um, to these states, the more these states are indebted to the federal government. <laughs> and under a globalist regime, the whole idea is to have a central government oh and not have state governments. 
So when it comes to education, unfortunately, education's caught in the crosshairs here. You know, yeah. we, we, we want money for education. We spend more money than any other country in the world. But unfortunately, we get too much of it from the federal government who dictates the policies that we have to put in there. And these mm. policies are globalist. They're anti-Israeli. They're mm. anti-U.S. They're all the wrong messages mm. to, um, to do. Um, but I, I think that's a very important note because I think that, that you know, the more we spend in Washington, the more we're going to take over these states. And that's exactly the wrong direction that we should be going. That's exactly right. Hands off. Hands off our kids. Hands off our states. Oh, Robert, I so appreciate this. I wish we had more time today um, to continue on. But again, we're going to have you back on um, on the 28th to do another podcast. So I so appreciate your um, perspective and sharing the information that you have. You've given us at PJTN a lot to think about in laying out our strategy over the next three years in combating this threat. We've got to, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be involved. Robert, thank you so much. Is there a website where people can go and learn more about your organization, what you're doing? I know you've got a book that you've got out. Yeah, let, let me let me go into that more in a couple of weeks if I could. You got it. You got it. Absolutely. Well, thank, you, thank you, Lori, very much for having me. Uh, I think I think what I was just talking about really needs to get out to as broad an audience as possible. And thank you very much for what you do. I think it's uh, terrific. Absolutely. We're going to make that happen. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you found this program informative. We're going to post this podcast on our website and all of our podcast platforms so that you can share with your family and friends. This is so critically important, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to get this word out. We are in an election year. November 2024 is looming large. And we need to know who our school board members are. We need to know who our county commissioners are, our mayors, our state legislators, and of course, Congress, the Senate, and the, this presidential race is so critically important, ladies and gentlemen. We have got to be informed voters. When we go into that booth, we have to understand that whoever we vote for in any of these offices is going to determine the future direction of the United States of America. And I know many of you, I hear from you all, do not like the direction our country is headed. You are very disturbed about what's going on in your children's classrooms. We have to rise up, ladies and gentlemen. We have to speak up. We have to get involved. This is a government of we, the people, by the people, and we've got to start acting that way. As PJTM Watchmen, we have a biblical mandate to stand against the ungodly rising Nazi threat that is destroying this nation and other Western nations, threatening our Judeo-Christian values and promoting anti-Semitism. We cannot remain silent. God warned the prophet Ezekiel about the responsibility of the watchman, 
And as a watchman, you can sound the alarm and warn others by simply sharing this podcast with your family and friends. So please share and like this podcast to help sound the alarm in your community. Remember, Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminded us, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Don't forget to join us for next week's podcast as we continue this conversation about combating the rise of anti-Semitism and taking back local control of our communities and our children's education. I want to also remind you that if you've not signed up to become a PJTM Watchman, you can help support this mission through our award-winning documentaries and Focus on Israel programs, as well as more programs just like this one for just $20 a month. So go to our website at pjtn.org to watch our programs and listen to our past podcasts. With your generous monthly donation, you can ensure that PJTN remains on the front lines and in the headlines, but we can't do it without your faithful prayers and financial support. I hope that you will prayerfully consider supporting our mission as we educate to activate Jews, Christians, and all people of conscience to stand on the front lines of this all-encompassing war. God bless you, and thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren, the State of Israel, and these United States. Thank you again for joining me on this edition of Proclaiming Justice. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit our website at pjtn.org. As a PJTN watchman, you can help us keep up the fight to preserve our freedom for our children and their children for such a time as this.